0: This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu.
1: Have you ever looked at a product and thought there was a better way to use it? And as a nurse, how about finding unique ways to encourage your patients? Today's episode will answer both. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, I'm Eliza Joy.
0: And I'm Ryan Larson.
1: Together, we will explore nursing careers and professional insights.
0: With exclusive interviews for nurses working in jobs that you want to know about.
1: Transferring info from one nurse to another.
0: This is the College Handoff.
1: Today, we'll hear from two BYU nursing alumni. First, Jacqueline Thatcher will share about her company, Hatcher Packs, which makes two-in-one diaper bags and baby carriers. After that, Deborah Thompson shares her love of rehab nursing and explains the nuances of rehabilitation. Both offer insight into the diverse careers nurses can pursue. Let's get started.
0: Our next guest today is Jacqueline Thatcher. She is the president and CEO of Hatcher Packs. Jacqueline, welcome to our show.
2: Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much. Well, Jacqueline, I'm excited to talk about uh, a topic we haven't really ever talked about on the podcast before, backpacks. Um, you're, you, have, <laughs> you have this company called Hatcher Pack, um, and you create backpacks, as I understand, that double as a diaper bag and a baby carrier and just kind of an all-around backpack, run-and-go type setup. So I'm curious, on um, just kind of give us a, maybe a more in detailed description of what it is that you have actually created.
2: Yeah, certainly. So the Hatcher Pack is a diaper bag that carries your baby. So it's a pack and then um there's a carrier flap that connects to the hip straps and the shoulder straps so that when you can, you can carry your baby when you want and when you don't you just unhatch that little um piece and it's an awesome, you know, diaper bag and go anywhere and as a mom, I wanted to and as a nurse and a nurse practitioner and I needed something that could fit my active lifestyle and I couldn't ever find a diaper bag that was more than like a lunchbox strapped to ribbons or you know, and when I had my baby carrier, I needed to carry some diapers and wipes at least. So this was my solution.
0: I love that. Has, that honestly, that does surprise me that something like this, um, at least from the way you're describing it, didn't already exist. It seems like that's such a common you know feature that you would want kind of a more rugged and you know versatile uh, backpack that could double as a uh, as a baby carrier and also as a diaper bag I'm surprised it didn't exist before
2: I know that was my thing too and I was saying wait (laughs) I've got to have this I want to I want to always be able to carry my baby but I can't always carry my baby carrier so now my diaper bag can do it all and um yeah. And I can still live my life as a nurse practitioner, as a mom, and share all these things with my kids. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. You definitely have an amazing life and you have lots of eggs and lots of baskets. I want to ask you a little bit more about that here in just a bit. But maybe give us some more context, though, as far as like how long ago did you just start working on this this project of this company?
2: Certainly. I started five years ago, um, just a couple months before my first daughter was born. I was literally just searching for a diaper bag and um, just realized there wasn't a solution for me. So, yeah.
0: So five years and how is, I mean, to walk us through the process. I mean, how does one go about, you know, running a company and starting up, a, you know, not just a company that sells food or something, but if, you know, an actual product company that you have to distribute all around the world.
2: Yes, it's a lot more than I realized, <laughs> but um, I learn more every day. But um, how does that happen? So we first came up with the concept and then we designed it and you make a prototype and you've got to um, test uh, everything that um, deals with babies or baby carriers for sure. For a lot of products in the U.S. have to be safety tested. So you get the product kind of nailed down, um, you know, based on using it and testing it with people. And then it has to meet certain safety um, qualifications. So we've been safety tested for us. It's um, the U.S. and even in Canada. And then um, because most places, other places will honor those testing. And then once it's safety tested and you're good to go, you have to make sure as well that you have a factory that um, can Produce it for you, and uh, usually they will produce like a prototype or something for you, so that you can make sure that the caliber is in the quality is what you're looking for. Um, you have to choose the fabrics in my case or the zippers and the poles, like every little stitch, literally. And then once it's dialed down, and they can actually they have to produce it, and then you have to get it here, which has also been a really um, tricky thing with COVID, the shipping. Mm. Um, costs and things have been like triple what normal so you have to get it here and then once it's here you gotta um you know distribute it so there's tons of other little pieces along the way but that's kind of the big picture of getting it a product produced and then um you know connecting to big real t- uh, retailers like buy Bye baby or rei or whatever or smaller specialty stores or it's just a whole nother world. <laughs> so.
0: Wow. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of moving pieces there. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, how many units have you guys sold already?
2: So we have, um, we have like, we've, our first order was 1500 units. Wow. So we're, we're still new, but um, hopefully, you know, every day growing. <laughs> so that's some serious
0: yeah. groundwork though, but a, a big order like that, the beginning is a good sign for sure. Yeah. So walking through the timeline there, so you said five years ago, you you had this idea, you started working with it. How long did it take to go from the idea to, you know, starting to get a product that you could start to distribute to people or to real or, um, or to other markets?
2: It honestly took like four years. Um, it took a while to develop, get the prototype, um, just the angles and the buckles and all of that so that it, it felt good, you know, carrying your baby with, you know in this manner in this way um so we safe we we it took a while to develop that like a year or two to really get it nailed down to how we liked it and then it took another year to find the factory that we loved we um had it produced in a couple of places and you know just the quality was different um so that took a bit and then covid covid hit us and everything you know kind of uh the factory that we finally chose um took a was um, it was completely closed due to COVID. Mm. So that took us a little bit as well. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Wow. So it took four years to kind of get a product going. And I guess how has business been for the last year then? I mean, are you you starting to feel good about your product?
2: Yes. Yeah. We're really excited about it because we're just, it's getting to more and more people. And, Um, you know, we have some opportunities with some big retailers, but then also just getting into the individual on our website and things is just really, it's fun to see. So every day we, we grow a little bit bigger and, um, you know, just with the mission to empower families to be able to adventure every day. Cause sometimes it's an adventure getting to the mountains, but sometimes I need my diaper bag just to get me to my mailbox and that's Mm
3: -hmm. good too. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, that's a good point for sure. So I mean you mentioned, you know, getting into the bigger uh retail markets, uh Buyback Baby yes. and REI and stuff like that. I mean, did that are you already w- working with those organizations yet or where are you at there?
2: Yes. So yeah, we have a couple big um connections and then we're growing those. We went to a couple um expos and then it's just, you know, kind of a not- networking thing. So um yeah, we are, but you know we can always grow more so we have a couple connections um we have uh, with like bye bye baby and we're working we'd love to get into target and some other big like places um but kind of we're every day growing a little bigger so
0: yeah well props to you for making that happen i can't imagine that's that's got to be a lot on your plate i do want to pivot a little bit now i mean you're developing products you're networking with you know big real um you know big retail big retailers across the country and um you're doing a lot of things and you've also mentioned you know that you are a mother you're a, a wife, and you are a nurse practitioner i mean walk me through what your typical day in your world looks like then
2: <laughs> oh well i really you know most of my days are with my kids and um twenty four seven i have um, but I have four kids, and my oldest is is five. So, and I well, I have, I have three three kids and one on the way. So I guess I'm still I'm counting four. But um, Congrats. so thank you. Um, so my my typical day is with my kids, but um, I'll schedule meetings to meet with big real retailers during nap times or things like that. Or also, um, I. I work at an urgent care and for me that right now is the dream because I can just pop in, see patients, um and then go home and not have um, you know, patients during the night or or whatever. Um that just works well for me. I've also taught I taught at Washington State University for a while, then at a college um, in New York, and that was also really flexible for me. I could do that while my kids were napping or at night or in the morning or whatever. So um, it's a little long-winded, but typical days I'm with my kids 24-7, and then um, I just kind of add in some things like I'm managing this business in the early mornings or the evenings, and then um, a couple times a month I'm working at an urgent care. So, and then I have top before too. So wow. as a nurse, I love it. You can do anything and everything. And it's so flexible, whether you want like an eight to five job or I've done nights before, um, you can, you can, it's so flexible and it can change based on how your life is changing as well.
0: So. Yeah. I love so, that. I do feel so. like I do feel like sometimes um, this isn't only true for nurses. I think it's just a, a broad, maybe cultural experience that we're going through right now. And maybe the pandemic has just made us more aware of it, where people will just feel that they're stuck in their nine to five job, or they feel like they're not really ready to make a change in their life and to be flexible, like, like you're describing. How do you, as you've gone through changes in your lives where priorities have needed to shift around, how have you gone about deciding when you need to change your focus on life?
2: Um. Good question. I my daily scripture study actually I that's is constant in my life and it's in the mornings for me. Mornings are the best, and so communing with the Lord in the mornings every day, no matter what I'm doing, helps me be able to keep my focus and the light in my life, literally, and those priorities. Because sometimes, you know, there have been times where I've needed to. Um, you know, cut back or or do maybe work more for a little bit or something. And um, I know that when I have that connection, sure, for me in my life, that's consistent and constant and firm, then I can receive those directions and also be able to be able to not only receive the change that I need, but be able to make the change as well. Because sometimes it takes courage to maybe pull back a little bit or, you know, when everyone's saying, you know, do more or do more when, uh, at certain times and be able to balance things. So that's something that's consistent for me and really important. I
0: like how you mentioned that's like one of the consistent things that you have in, in your life. I think that's important that we find something in our life that's consistent that just kind of helps keep us balanced as things are constantly changing all the time.
2: Yep. Yeah. Cause the, everything's, you know, some, you know, every day's different, but If I have that relationship with my Heavenly Father and my Savior, then I know that they're going to direct me and I trust that um, they're going to lead me and I'm going to be able to receive that direction and then also have the courage to be able to follow it and the strength to be able to follow
0: it. I love that. Maybe, uh, Jacqueline, what are some of the parallels that you've seen as a CEO and, um, and in the nursing world? Were there any maybe skills, hard or soft, that... Uh, helped you as a CEO that you learned as a nursing student?
2: Definitely as a nursing student you develop so many key skills that you can use anywhere. Um, I would say first is triaging. I triage all the time <laughs> um, in everything I do and it's a skill that I use as a mother but also as a CEO because I can say, okay, you know what are the things that I need? are you know immediate we've got to do this or you know, it's an immediate emergency and okay, this thing seems nice, but I can do it, you know, whenever, maybe in a couple months. And so first skill is triaging and, and learning, um, you know, how to prioritize. Those are always on your, our nursing boards. And it's a skill that we use throughout our lives. It's, okay, which things do you do first and which can wait a while? So first triaging. Second, um, I would say, being calm under pressure. Um, I've worked as an ER nurse and that definitely helped me be able to figure out that I, if I'm not calm, then I can't help anyone else. So I being able to have a level head when things are, you know, going crazy or, you know, didn't, the shipping didn't come in as I thought it was, or, you know, I'm going to have to present or do something or do this. And, um, those that skill of being able to be calm under pressure is really important. Third skill is education. I think as a nurse, I love how we are educators as well. We are advocates and educators for our patients and their family and um, the healthcare team. And so we need to be able to not only understand what we're doing, but be able to teach it. And um, as a CEO of a company, being able to educate. Maybe the need for the product, and then the solution for the product, and how you know is is a really big deal. and I that's educate being able to be an educator uh, and being able to succinctly describe things is really important. Um, so I think those are three key skills that I use for my nursing days, <laughs> and I still use every day.
0: I love that. I think that's, it's, those are all super, you know, fundamental things that nurses are usually, those are usually responsibilities that nurses are just saddled with. And nurses mm-hmm. get really good at, 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 um, at handling those responsibilities. You, you, the way that you're describing some of the, the pressures that you felt of uh, shipping orders not coming in as expected, um, it sounds like there's a lot of, I mean, just high stress and things that go on with owning your own business. I'm wondering if you can take some time to, Describe Jacqueline for us what types of what what were some of maybe the unexpected hardships that came with running this business of yours.
2: Well some of them are that it's not like laid out a b c like what you need to do on like the steps it's there's a lot of um figuring it out as you go and that's humbling um because it's really nice to have like a recipe and like okay if you put these things in your business you're going to have successful business cookies or whatever it doesn't work like that and it's really humbling um so and some other stressful things are like safety testing like how do i get that done okay um these are the things that i need to make sure um fit and work and it is safe and um that's humbling as well cuz you don't you don't want it to be unsafe um and you know you have to make sure that it's safe so that's like high stakes and, um, just to like supply and demand, making sure that you know you make a product that is very is quality but then also you know is financially feasible and um is something that can can like it has to financially be able to balance you know it has it can't be so expensive that you can't afford to produce it, but then also it needs to be quality, and also, that's really high stakes as well, yeah. so financially so.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. That that's there's a lot to that for sure. I I am a little bit curious too. I mean, four years is a long time to, you know, to be investing into something and not really getting return on, you know, any any financial return on that yet. I mean, was that terrifying or I mean, how did you go about surviving those four years when you were just kind of throwing monies into this project that at that point you didn't know if it was gonna, you know, be rewarding or not?
2: It was really hard, but my, my, my nursing skills made it possible. A lot of people have to like give up, um, you know, and, and say, okay, this is my only source of income, whatever this, this company. But for me, I, because I had the flexibility of working, I, I was working as a nurse and I was teaching and I was actually also getting my education, Um, I wasn't as financially or uh, as stressed about that timeline. Like I was okay about that. Um, And it could be calm in that because I had my nursing skills that I could get a job at any time, anywhere, um, doing most anything, um, which is such a blessing as when you have that like financial stability and you're willing, then you can do some other things on the side, which is a little bit with a little bit more, you know, security, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, that the demand for nurses is never gonna go away. And so it's definitely a, a stable platform you can use to kind of launch into um more risky but potentially even potentially even more rewarding avenues of life as well, which sounds like you've right. done which is cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about um the your future endeavors? I mean, you have this backpack and you know, as things continue to go well for you, do you have, you know, ideas for future products that you're hoping to make or Where do you see the business that you've developed going in the next year or two?
2: Well, the big picture is that I want, it's just a paradigm shift. Instead of thinking like that, when you're a mother or when you're a parent, you have to give up everything and all your passions and things and, um, and just focus on your kids. instead for me, I share it all with my kids and yes, I have given up things and yes, there are, it's a huge balance and um, my dedication to my kids, complete dedication is, you know, so important to me, but um, it's this paradigm of, okay, I can bring my kids with me and I can share these things with me every day, every moment. So big picture in the next two years is that we can really be a symbol for um, this, this idea that parenting you get to share your passions you don't have to just give them all up and um we are working on additional products um things to launch with um that can either go in the backpack or also um currently you need the carrier um you need the backpack to be able to carry the baby but we're working on a function a piece so that you could just click to the carrier piece and then have a standalone carrier if you like because there is some are sometimes that you just want the carrier. And then um, just some different flat versions. So if you want a different color, a different pattern, or um, right now it's all mesh, so it's very breathable, but just some different sizing and fabric changes um, that can mix and match with our carrier that we're really excited about. Um, so there's pieces that we're um, adding in every every day, really, like products we're adding in, but also just this idea that parenting is such a wonderful a journey the best adventure you'll ever go on. And, um, that, you know, if you have the Lord in your life and you have this direction, you can be able to share that with your kids instead of, you know, find them a babysitter or something and, and, you know, put them to the side while you do whatever you need to do that you can have them with you and share this with them. And so we hope to share products and a paradigm shift
0: love yeah. that. I love that. So <laughs> as far as that paradigm shift goes, then do you have your kids helping you pack boxes and fill them with packing peanuts and stuff like that? Or? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Well, and they have a mini hatcher pack. So they have a mini backpack that carries around their dolls and their giraffes oh, and their that's too cute. things. And um, yeah, I do. I involve them. If I'm going to put stickers on something, they're, yes, they're, they're helping me put stickers on. And, you know, because I <laughs> I I want them with me. I want them seeing these things and seeing that they can set a goal and they can achieve it. And um, through this opportunity um, or this business, we've been able to do a lot of things. Like we had a big expo in Las Vegas and we brought them with us. And um, like, I, I just really believe in trying to include our children in everything that we possibly can to teach them and nourish them and help them. There's nothing replacing a parent. There's so many things pulling at kids nowadays, but um, there's no electronic. There's no technology that's better than an an involved parent that really cares about their kids and wants them to be in their lives. So,
0: yeah, it's a good point for sure. Good point for sure. Nothing, Nothing to do to replace parents. Um, nope. I mean, maybe on a more serious side there, um, other than your kids help, you know, do you have employees? Does your husband help out? Like what type of other workforce do you have behind you to help help you accomplish this huge operation?
2: Yes. I, my husband, he's my right hand man. He is amazing. He's helped me with so many different things. So he has helped a lot. And then I um, have, yeah, pulled in a couple different people to um, on specialties like design um, and uh, certain dining things or whatever. So I have pulled in a couple of people, and then my husband—boy, he he can do anything. So that's really handy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's amazing. How many employees do you have then?
2: So we just have a couple, um, and they're more like consult. Like we've just pulled in people like as as needed. You know, oh, sometimes gotcha. it's a little crazier, and so we, they're more consulting. Um, so we just have a couple, but hopefully we hope to hire some more coming soon. Um, as things are continuing
0: to grow so, that's, that's exciting, yeah. yeah well, Jacqueline, thank you so much. This has been really fun, and it's been uh fun to hear you draw the parallels between nursing and owning your own business and how you're just kind of making your whole life uh be well rounded really appreciate your insights on all these fun topics
2: yeah, you bet i I love the BYU nursing program, and it definitely learning the healer's art was something now you you know once you learn that art, you can paint all different kinds of masterpieces. And that's what's so exciting about nursing. The world is, is your canvas and you can do really anything if you develop these skills, which is, which is so exciting and wonderful. So, yeah.
0: I love that. A lot of our audience, our nursing students or uh, recent graduates, um, you know, they have families of their own and this is obviously a resource and a tool that could be useful for them. Where can they go to find out more information about the Thatcher Pack?
2: Sure. They can go online um www.hatcherpacks.com or we have a um Instagram, it's just um hatcher pack. So yeah. We'd love to see them join the pack.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. I look at it almost sounds cliche. Did you guys make that up? I love it.
2: <laughs> we did,
0: but I love Yeah,
2: it. we have a package. You can join our pack and we'd love it.
0: So <laughs> that's yeah. cool. What a fun, and we've got what... your pack. <laughs> What a fun community. I love that for sure. So, well, Jacqueline Thatcher, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Now that you're following us on Instagram, don't
1: forget to check out the blog for an in-depth look into events, faculty, and students. You can find our blog at byunursing.com.
0: Our next guest today is an alumni, Deborah Thompson. She's here to talk to us about the rehabilitation world um, and a whole bunch of other fun things that she's been doing with her nursing career. Deborah, welcome to our show.
3: Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you today. And Deborah, you are a BYU nursing alumni, and so just to kind of get the ball rolling, I'm curious if you can share with me and our listeners a favorite memory or experience you had uh, with BYU nursing when you were a student here.
3: Yes, I was privileged to be um, at BYU in the late 80s, early 90s. And Lynn Clark Callister, Dr. Callister, was there, and she was doing research into mother-baby issues. And she particularly is interested in international. But I was a student of hers, and I also was pregnant with our first child. And Uh so she did an interview with me as part of her research about my experience with childbirth. She was also interviewing um, people from many different cultures. That was a lot of fun to be able to participate in her research project.
0: Wow. What a fun and uh, poignant way to be using, you know, I guess using information from your own professor and directly applying it into your own life at the same time. That's kind of a fun, uh, a fun setup there. (laughs) It was. Yeah. Now, um, you actually reached out to us to be a podcast guest, which we were thrilled about. most of our listeners don't know this, but they can actually reach out to us if they have maybe kind of a unique element of nursing that they feel like they haven't heard on the podcast before and um and we can interview them as well. but you reached out to us, you sent us a you sent us um a resume and some of the experience that you had, and I was just very impressed with the variety of opportunities you've had. It seemed like on your resume and if I had the timeline right, it was like you were getting a, you were getting promoted or a new position or Kind of changing your career path, I'd say maybe like every eight months to year and a half. Is that more or less accurate?
3: <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, it was. Particularly when I was starting out, I I love to learn. I love to grow. That's I always want to be doing something that's stretching me and challenging me, and and making me a little uncomfortable. So I did. I I um, applied for new positions and learned new things and started doing you know, gathered new responsibilities. Um, like you say, about every nine to 18 months (laughs) just to be able to keep growing.
0: Yeah. Well, that's not necessarily, um, a bad thing. I mean, lots of times when you get new positions, you can end up, uh, you can end up finding yourself in a a new position that pays you more, has better opportunities and outlooks. And I just think sometimes we, we tend to put ourselves in boxes a little bit too fast in our careers. And so I think it's I cool. You, you seem to break that mold that I've seen um, in the world, where you you seem to very actively pursue new things. Has that been challenging to you? Like, I mean, sometimes we sometimes we maybe say that's not a good thing because on the resume, you know, it makes you look like a person that can't keep a job, right? You know, so like, did you ever run into maybe employers like, hey, why are you changing your job every eight months? Or, you gonna know, walk out of me in six weeks? Or like, like, did you ever have to like do all that type of stuff? Or
3: you know, that's a good. That's a great question, and that's something that I have thought about, but I haven't changed employers so much as changing positions mm-hmm. um, and nursing is such a fluid such a fluid career path that I don't find that to be a problem and I think as long as you're able to speak to why you've left and that you have a strong network of people who will speak for you and and because they do check your references and they talk to people who know you and if they'll say she's an excellent nurse and a great leader or you know um she was looking for new opportunities that we didn't have here then as long as you're able to speak to it and give a um a good reason why you are moving around i haven't found it to be a problem I think um, if I'm not growing, I'm stagnating. I want to be able to learn and, and gather information. It's informs my patient care and allows me to be a better nurse by being involved in professional organizations and keeping up on current research and learning new skills and asking for more responsibilities and I just become more able to give back to whether it's my patients or my coworkers or my organization by having a larger repertoire of skills and knowledge.
0: I like that. That's a really good um a really good point. It kind of makes you a well it makes you a more well-rounded nurse and um makes you really good at understanding the whole spectrum of patient care. I wanna dive yeah. now I wanna dive into a little more detail about um a spectrum of patient care that you're definitely an expert in, which is rehabilitation. Now I know rehabilitation, yes. there's a whole spectrum of that. I mean, I remember in high school, you know, doing a little bit of physical therapy and rehabilitation when I messed up my shoulder playing tennis. And, you know, I have also um, you know, I know there's a lot more intense stuff, people who are um, you know, end up, went up as paraplegics and stuff like that, you know? So I'm sure there's a spectrum that you've had to work with. What type of patients do you usually see in your realm of uh, what we call rehabilitation?
3: That's a great, um, a great introduction in that there are lots of different levels of rehab. There's the outpatient, which is what you would have been doing or sports injury um, type of rehab. What I've been doing um, mainly is inpatient. It's called IRU, Inpatient Rehabilitation Unit. Um, and it is a it is a specialty, but it's an interesting specialty because we specialize in generalization. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, um, there are some clinics that are, or um, hospitals that are much more specific as to the kinds of patients that they take. There's a, um, through ARN, the professional organization that's Association of Rehabilitation Nurses, a friend of mine works at a inpatient rehabilitation that's a freestanding hospital, and it has a very strong spinal cord injury component. Spinal cord injury patients require a lot of specialty care, also specialty equipment, and um, nurses who know the difficulties associated with spinal cord injury are best able. And those who have been, you know, especially trained for that, give the best care to spinal cord injury patients. And in rehab, we don't just care for the patient, but we teach them to care for themselves. They're not going to take us home with them. So they need to learn how to deal with whatever the problem is that they come to rehab for. Rehab, it's, teaching people to deal with chronic injury and disability. So chronic, excuse me, chronic disease and disability. So things that aren't going to be fixed by their hospital state.
0: I like that. That kind of puts it into perspective a little bit of, um, you know, what type of patients you might potentially be working with. You mentioned that because you're working with patients that are at you know such a high acuity level and they just you know they really really need help. You have a lot of extra equipment. Um, Tell me about that. Like, what types of things do you work with that you know I might not have seen going to just like a physical therapist in some local clinic?
3: You know, it's really very cool. One of the things that I really enjoy about rehab is watching patients progress. We have patients who come in and um, haven't been out of bed maybe in a year, when they come into an inpatient rehab setting, then they um, are required to be able to tolerate three hours of therapy, five or even six days a week. Wow. And to watch them not be able to sit up at first, to then being um, able to use a, um, a machine that will help them stand. It'll support their weight but help them be able to get into a, um, standing position so that their blood flow changes. You know, when you're supine versus when you're standing, then your blood flow is different. And the weight on your legs and your, your bones and the the way that your feet fit against the floor versus, um, dangling in the bed is all different. So that's a really cool machine is one that helps patients who are not able to support their own weight, then it will support their weight and then um, can, they can increase the amount of the percentage of the patient's weight that they're actually supporting themselves and gaining that trunk support and that legs, that leg strength before they have it in their own person.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's, that's gotta be a cool position where you get to see progress like that. I have to always, I have to imagine too that there are times where maybe you have to just, I don't know, for lack of a better term, just take pity on them though, you know? Cause they are people that had active lifestyles and now they, you know, they can't use the bathroom by themselves. Like, I mean, do you ever find yourself just kind of, I don't know, is that emotionally draining to just see and work and be around people that just need help in the most basic ways?
3: It can be. Um, we do deal with patients who are angry and resentful. You know, uh-huh. they've they've gone through the shock and ICU saved their lives, and then they went to. Sometimes they come to us right from a PCU setting. You know, right after they move off of ICU onto a floor for a couple of days, then they'll come to us, and um, so they've gone through the shock, and now they're onto the anger, and we do get angry patients and you know honestly that compassion can that that you want to feel for everybody um you have to be purposeful about holding on to it um i pray before i go to work every day help me to see these patients like you see them um so that I can see past their behavior and start to recognize the feelings and be able to name some of those. This must be so hard for you. Or tell me about what you're feeling right now. Instead of just seeing the behavior, you know, kind of one dimensionally, then trying to get behind the eyeballs and see three dimensionally and feel what they're feeling.
0: That's great advice. Give them
3: back some of that control.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's really good advice. I especially, I mean, I like what you mentioned about, um, seeing them as the way you might look at your mother or someone else in your life, you know, it just kind of makes them a little more human and maybe increases the level of patience and compassion that you could have for them. So I think that's, that's, uh, that's really great. Um, what about, you know, I mean, what drew you initially to rehabilitation? That's, you know, a lot of nursing students, especially at BYU, the The path is usually, oh, yeah, I'm going to go do bedside or I'm going to, you know, go uh, work with moms and newborns. You know, like that's a very Mm -hmm. common trend and track that we see. What drew you kind of away from that and more towards rehabilitation?
3: Um, The teaching aspect. When you work in an acute care setting, they are past the point of just needing things done for them. And they're at the point of needing to learn how to do some things for themselves. Um, so I they, they need a lot of teaching. And I really, really love teaching. I actually taught um, a mother-baby lab at BYU for a couple of semesters um, after I graduated. And that was great fun. I really, really loved it. So being able to bring that same love into rehab and be able to teach people, how to take care of their loved ones or how to take care of themselves um, and help them feel like it's possible. This is, I can take the next step. My life has changed, but it hasn't ended. And I can, there's something I can do about this is very um, appealing to me.
0: Interesting. I I like what you you mentioned earlier, just to kind of tie this in. You mentioned how the ICU might save someone's life, but we work on giving someone's life back to them. And I can see yes. how that process of giving someone their life back, someone regaining their mobility and their independence, that's very much a learning um, experience for the patient and less of a, you know, I'm going to be hooked up to this machine for a couple of days and then I'll be healed type of thing, you know. Right. So I can right. totally see that. Was there any extra um, uh, schooling or credentials that you had to get in order to, to work in? Um, There's rehabilitation clinics. I know you mentioned that a lot of them involve spinal stuff. I don't know. Do you have to go memorize more dermatones or anything like that?
3: <laughs> you know, um, there is not. So generally, when you work in a inpatient rehabilitation setting, they want you to have had some acute care experience. Generally, a year of acute care experience that sometimes um, they will... Higher with uh, without acute care experience that you can come right out of school, but um, honestly i I would not recommend that because um, you are not going to see um, you're not going to start as many iVs you're not going to become as comfortable with trachs. you're not going to be as comfortable with maybe a ventilator, but you may see them in rehab. Mm. But you're not going to have, you're not going to be surrounded by people who have done it 49,000 times and can walk you through it easily. Um, so working in acute care setting where you have seen some of that helps a lot with your confidence. Um, so it's just a regular RN license. Um, one of the places where I worked employed LPNs. Several other, other areas that I've worked do not employ LPNs. Um, but an RN license is you know, just your basement level. Then after you've worked a thousand hours in a rehab setting, then you can go for your specialty certification. And that um, doesn't require any special courses, but I would highly suggest going through one. And you can, sometimes your employer will offer those. That's how I did it. it was through my employer. They offered a, um it was about a week long set of classes that I'd go to for several hours every day, reviewing rehabilitation principles. And then um, I went and took my certification exam. So I have a specialty certification in rehabilitation. It's called a Certified Rehabilitation Registered Nurse (CRRN). You don't have to have any credentialing, you know, beyond your RN. Be able to work in a rehab setting, but there's places to go from your basic r n within the rehab setting to be able to get that that further certification
0: gotcha um I love your insights and in everything that you've shared with us today Deborah. very interesting and um kind of a perhaps less dramatic but still equally as impactful side of nursing that I don't think we've heard or seen very much on this podcast or. Um, and the publications that the College of Nursing at BYU produces. So thank you very much, Debra, for reaching out to us and being willing to share some of these great insights.
3: Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you.
1: Ryan, thank you so much for conducting those insightful interviews.
0: Thanks, Eliza. I love talking to Jacqueline Thatcher about the Hatcher Pack. It was really obvious to me that that was a need, and it was cool to see how previous BYU nursing students went Above and beyond their scope of practice, they learned new skills. They started a business to uh, to bring a product to market that was really useful for uh, for many people.
1: Yeah, um, it's really interesting for me to hear about a nurse who transitioned into the business world. Like, I don't think that's a really common thing, and um, it's cool to hear about this new innovation.
0: Absolutely, and she's doing a great job with it too. I also really enjoyed talking with Deborah Thompson. It was really interesting to hear about how uh, there are nurses out there who work with lower acuity patients, but they still help them in meaningful ways by helping them get their lives back together after a traumatic event.
1: Yeah, like helping a patient find autonomy must be really rewarding um, for the nurse and um, for everyone working with that patient. I also really liked her point about staying up to date with current research um, so your practice is as good as it can be.
0: Absolutely. She had some really good points there. I'm glad she reached out to us. I remember you guys can reach out to us as well. If there's a topic or Uh, an episode that I us to cover if you're working in a cool job that you want us to know about and you'd like to share with the nursing world please reach out to us
1: yeah definitely reach out and don't forget to tune in next week for another awesome episode of the college handoff you can find us anywhere you
3: get your podcasts
0: we're out every Tuesday we'll see you then